Hey gang, welcome to episode 78 of the No Persinium podcast, your guide to immersive entertainment, brought to you by our friends at Drafty. I'm your host, Noah Nelson, coming to you from the entertainment capital of the world, Los Angeles, California. Today on the show, our good friend, Juliet Bennett Ryla, writer extraordinaire, joins us to talk about some of our favorite experiences in 2016. That's right, it's the first of our two-part end-of-the-year spectacular, and it all starts right after this message. Do you do theatrical or event design work? Looking for a computer-aided design program that's built for the work you do, like lighting, projection, and sound? Then you should check out our friends at Drafty. Drafty is a computer-aided design program built from the ground up for the unique needs of theatrical designers, assistants, and technicians by an actual theatrical designer. Lighting, sound, and projection design are all supported, and it's priced to be affordable because the designer who makes it knows exactly the kinds of challenges you face firsthand. Find out if Drafty can help you work your magic at drafty-app.com. All right, let's get into the news and notes, because a lot of you listen to the show just for that. And I'm just going to let you in on a secret. I just did this entire opening, and then I was like, that was too long. So this is the faster, more efficient version, because I care about you. Uh, Let's start in Los Angeles. Uh, Lucent Dossier, wonderful circ group. They've got uh, the Lucent Enchantment Society rocking at... Uh, Clifton's Republic on December 29th. That's next Thursday. I'm going to be out of town. So if you want to check this one out, you are um, there as my eyes and ears. Uh, Lucent does a lot of Cirque stuff. Lots of beautiful things. are They're, they're taking over the space. Uh, this is the part that sounds interesting for our crew. Interactive characters roam about, seducing you to join them on an adventure into the unknown, leading you to oracles, ghosts, and secret chambers. Allow curiosity to be your guide as you explore all the shadows of Clifton's Republic. The profits for this one are going to uh, support the folks who are protesting at Standing Rock, uh, the water protectors there. Uh, if you if you don't know about that, um, uh, do some research. Uh, there's there's an interesting environmental fight going on. Uh, water Water and oil, uh, you know how they don't mix. Yeah, this is this is this is that kind of come to life in a big spectacular 2016 way. Uh, December 29th, doors at eight. Experience at 9:20. Clifton's Republic, downtown Los Angeles. New Year's Eve, uh, we've got our eye on the event at the Standard by the creator of uh, Bambi, a sad girl dance party. Uh, that's gonna involve uh, a number of different options in one party. You got your dance thing going on on the rooftop. You've got a burlesque show from Tease, if you please. You've got Disco Dining Club doing a dinner. All of it is Blade Runner themed, which is beyond appropriate right now. So, um, which beyond appropriate sounds like inappropriate, but it's not. It just means like really, really, really appropriate. Also in LA, uh, have you seen Jake Therapy and Dreams, which I checked out and reviewed this past weekend? It's getting a remount. Uh, they're doing some more epi- uh, run-throughs of that in early January. That's down in Orange County. It is worth the trip. Um, also, a little birdie tells me that the Speakeasy Society is going to bring back the key, which is the first part of the Kansas collection. Uh, and that is going to be coming in not too long. And then the next part of the Kansas collection is also going to be coming out not too long after that. And really exciting news is that uh, they are just about to hold auditions workshops for the third part of Johnny the Shell. Uh, you can find links to that in our Facebook group or also in our Slack jobs board, which I'll talk about in a second. 
Also online that's related to Los Angeles, you can find that interview that we try to do for the podcast with the Computer 8 with Anthony Bat of Weaver. We talk about immersive and virtual reality and how they're kind of kissing cousins. Uh, so it's a quick little piece there on the Medium. That's medium.com slash no dash proscenium. That's also where you'll find the Therapy and Dreams review. New issues in SF and Chicago this week. A little preview of what's coming in the uh, SF one is the uh, choreographer and performer Erica Chong Such. Probably butchered that last name there. She's got a project coming up called For You. It's done in the spirit of Odyssey Works. Uh, Odyssey Works does sort of uh, bespoke pieces for individuals. So uh, there's an application up right now that's going up through the... Uh, end of January, and the the piece is going to be done in April up in the Bay Area, so you need to be there then, but check that out. I believe Albert's going to have a link to that um, in the SF issue this week. The Chicago issue is ready to go. It's in the queue. It's going to get into your inboxes on Monday morning. The deadlines for the New York and LA issues are this Wednesday, December 28th, so you want to get in any show announcements you know. Um, the Southeast issue, which is being put together right now by our friend Cindy Marie Jenkins with help from uh, April Arlington, uh, that is going to come out on January 7th, the first one of that. So it's probably going to be a little thin because we usually start a little thin. But you can sign up for that now at noproscenium.com uh, or adjust your settings if you want to get that one as well. But most importantly, if you have friends who live down that part of the country who you talk to about this stuff, like, oh, I saw this thing and whatnot, now's your chance. To get them to sign up uh so we're campaigning for that um i got quoted in the la times and they used the most star wars quote popular po- popular possible uh to help define immersive you'll see what i mean if you check it out uh the piece is about uh how immersive is the big arts buds word of 2016 and there's a great glimpse at some of the other disciplines that are experimenting that aren't just theater um, and sort of the stuff we cover because this stuff is in the visual arts as well and uh, they get a lot of pitches and they want to talk about that we talked about talked to the reporter about a month ago it's a really great piece uh, and it was a little surprise when I found out about it um, this it just popped up in the good old RSS feed yesterday um, that's the bulk of the news yeah I got through that way faster than last time let me tell you um, that was like five minutes the other one's like 15 come on man Seriously, Um, I do want to talk to you guys about two things real fast, and that's one of the reasons why I actually jumped back in here. First, uh, I want to thank uh, Doran Kipper for pledging to the Patreon. The Patreon really is essential for our operating of these ventures. Um, So everyone who jumps in on the Patreon, everyone who's like upped their pledge this year, uh, everyone who's jumped on board, so many of you have done both of that. you keep this community going, you fund this. So um, this is always, always, always for you. Uh, you can find that at patreon.com slash no proscenium. And we we really do appreciate it from the bottom of our hearts. Um, we also, we've just started, we're experimenting with Slack right now. It's this hot new drug that all the kids are trying. No, um, Slack's been around for a while. I've actually had this board since before um, there, there was a no proscenium really. Uh, I set it up. It was going to be my initial staging ground where I was inviting people in to be, you know, help curate. Uh, we, we restarted it just like two days ago, bringing in more people. Uh, it's going slow of course, cause that's how this works. But, uh, you can often find stuff in there, 
um, like you would on the Facebook or the Twitter, but without the distractions of Facebook and Twitter, it's just focused on our stuff. And um, I'm hoping that people like drop their notes, you know, it's like, oh, this show or like, oh, I'm auditioning for this. People are already starting to do that. Whenever you find things, find other fans of this stuff to connect with, uh, find other creators. And most important of all, there is a channel that is for jobs. And uh, whenever I hear about um, anything that's like from an audition to someone's looking for a designer, it's going to go in there. And if you have any of that knowledge or if you're looking for this kind of work, please post on the job slack if you want to get in on that action email me no underscore proscenium at outlook.com that's how you always send us information all right on that note juliet and i are going to talk about our favorite things in 2016 next week the second part of the show we hit all the curators up and i close it out with my definitive 2016 Favorite moments. I was about to say best of. No, I don't do best ofs. Uh, so we're going to close it out next week with that. But this week, we go a little bit in depth. We wax poetic. Uh, it's a nice little conversation about immersive theater and its ilk. Here we go. Hey, Juliet. Hey. Ooh. You've been on the show before, but just uh, just so people know, like who you are and what you do, um, as we get into this best of 2016, what's uh, what's what's the catch? What's the catchphrase? What what should they know about you, in your own words? Well, I am a freelance journalist, reporter, writer, blogger, whatever term you prefer, for a variety of outlets. Um, I write about a variety of things, but relevant to this, um, I enjoy writing about immersive theater, escape rooms, Halloween stuff, haunts, etc., virtual reality. So, so that's kind of how we know each other and connect. Um, yeah, we're often we often like team up and go check out the shows together. Even like usually at the one-on-one shows, and we like go sequentially. We've done that more than once. Yes, yeah. that's true. I've spent. Plenty of time in bonds and coffee shops <laughs> waiting for your torment to end. Um, this is true. <laughs> um, and and, and uh, I, I have the same with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, the same bonds. You take your turn. You wait, yeah. And then, yeah, that was actually one of the funnier ones. Uh, that was like, um, so this, this uh, everyone knows this is the, the 2016 episode. So let's start with the bonds. Like, so that was devoted, um, not the full devoted, but uh, the, the second piece and yeah, like you went in, got kidnapped by some people. Uh, I went into the to the Vons and waited for a while. And then when they were done, they dropped you back off. I did not see them drop you off, which is an interesting thing. But suddenly, it's on the other side of the lot. Yeah, um, it was closer to the Vons. Yeah, which which was only like you know one store away. That was a weird part. It was like I managed to like miss you getting dropped off, and yet all of a sudden they were there with me. Like mm-hmm. somehow I did not. Maybe I intentionally missed. Uh, I can't remember exactly. Um, but yeah, so those kind of experiences. So yeah, you, you, we're off in each other's wingmen for this stuff. Um, this episode's all about our favorite immersive memories of 2016. It's, it's the best of 2016 show. I don't know. There's We've been gathering from a bunch of folks, and I've been talking to some of the curators as well. Uh, when I recorded this, was like just after talking with Albert, who's up in the Bay Area. But this may wind up being like a standalone 
this is sort of the idea for this one is like it's for you and me to talk about our favorite things in 2016. So okay. I figure, why don't we, why don't we start like what's what's the thing that stands out for you this year? Hmm. Well, I would say that I have done a lot of experiences this year, and I feel like I sort of came into it via the haunts. So things that have more of a, a horror bent to them. So uh, I, I would say that I, I came in doing Halloween stuff. So um, Heretic House is, is a big favorite for me. Um, but of course, that's a that's a full contact extreme haunt. Um, but I also learned this year that I am not opposed, um, in fact, quite enjoy things that are simply immersive theater and that are not scary and that do not um, put a bag on your head and throw you in the back of a van and smack you around. So, um, yeah, this this year was me really getting out of the sort of like haunt um, escape room hole that I was in and doing a lot more immersive theater, which has been really great. Um, and, yeah, it's hard to pick a favorite because I feel like I, there are slices of each there's slices of probably six to a dozen things that I, I really enjoyed. Um, well, that's the fun part is that we don't have to pick favorites. Right. Like, like I, I was sometimes people approach and say like, well, why don't you guys do awards? Because there's a there's a dynamic, there's a dynamic in the entertainment industry that awards drive traffic, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm cognizant of that fully. You know, I also think that we're we're early enough in the emergence of immersive as a form that picking award winners at this point feels grossly premature and can smack a favoritism at some points and mm-hmm. just finding some way to like kind of impanel people and have like a real discussion. So there's there's a you know maybe in 2017 We'll convene all the curators and all the other people we know and like hold like an actual awards thing and say, you know, for 2018 and say, all right, you know, the board of governors, you know, but it won't be, it wouldn't, I would never have no Versinium do those awards. No, I, would, I don't I have want to give other, awards. I feel yeah. like, <laughs> yeah, I feel like that would be very difficult. It's like, also subjective. It's like the most subjective art right. form. Because it really depends on, well, I say this about escape rooms. People say, what's your favorite room? And it's like, I have a, you know, maybe I have a handful of companies where I've always had a good time in their rooms, or mm. I think their rooms are really clever. But I, it's so, if I go with one group, one group of people and there's a bad person in there, like let's say somebody who's very domineering or someone who runs off with a key item and puts it in their pocket for half an hour, I'm not going to enjoy that room as much as I enjoyed maybe maybe a room that thematically or clue-wise isn't as good, but I had more fun. So Yeah. And that's the same with immersive theater too. There are you know, things that things that take me 2 hours to get to. Maybe I'm tired by the time I get there. Maybe, maybe the I'm, cops bust in in the middle. Yeah, that, yeah. If the cops <laughs> show up and try to arrest me, that really impacts my enjoyment yeah. <laughs> of the show. Yeah, that's that's a specific reference, and not, and not like just like theoretical, and and that's one of the things that's interesting about immersive is that yeah, like it's such a subjective art form, and like what you bring to it, and and the the mitigating factors um, can can blow the whole thing. Like mm-hmm. it doesn't it doesn't even matter how good the craft is behind it 
you know, if something fires off wrong or that was one of my favorite shows, rest aside. Um, Yeah. The first half of it before the cops showed up was amazing. Yeah. And then the cops showed up, um, which was funny. So it was like its own unique experience do we want to just dive into that like so you said it was one of your so it was one of your highlights one of your okay, this is this yeah. is strong this one, so we're talking about shoshin which is one of screenshot productions pieces yeah screenshot is one of my favorite creators in los angeles um i really i really like them quite a bit i wish that someone would give them a lot of money and that's what i always say i wish that someone would give them a ton of money you know kind of how delusion got a lot of of capital infused into it i feel like if Screenshot had studio backing or something along those lines, they would be definitely one of one of the top people um, or creators, I guess I should say, because there's they have such an interesting vibe about all of their shows. Yeah, from the moment you get the email inviting you to to the end, um, there's this consistent sort of um, alternate it's, dimension. <laughs> it's it's like it's the sense of the uncanny, right? <laughs> like it's not. It's not creepy in the same sense as like maybe the vibe around certain parts of tension mm-hmm. or the deliberate the deliberate vibe around creep that haunt. Um, it's it's this feeling sometimes like another world is intruding on this one. Yeah, it's low key threatening, but it's not. It's not. Like all of their emails, well, a lot of their emails for a lot of shows begin with, hello, dear one. And it feels like you are connecting with a spirit guide or something. Yeah. And Shoshin is almost deliberately yeah. that, right? Like like the whole idea being that it's a it's a it's based on a meditation on Zen. Mm-hmm. And there were different stations taking you through different ideas. Um, and this was all staged in um, in a, you know, suburban development in La Mirada mm-hmm. and it was just it was amazing and it was not at all it was the second thing I did of theirs and it was it was so I could see the line between partuition which was this birthing experience mm-hmm. thing they did and Shoshin it was very clear but it was also so different and so very much about the meditative state and about engaging with levels of detail right yeah and i feel like sometimes i feel like uh the shoshin creators so so nick and megan since they have you fill out forms where you detail various things about yourself before you go um which they'll use or or not use i sometimes i feel like these people and i wouldn't say random people because i've come to know them but sometimes i feel like these random people know me better than most of my friends because i don't I don't um, fill out introspective questionnaires for my friends, <laughs> and there is and there's a level of trust I feel like after doing three or four of the performances that I have with them. Like, yeah, I can tell you what I'm feeling insecure about, and you're going to use it in the show. Yeah, but you're not going to. That's interesting because I like, on the internet or, or whatever. There's there's one I'm going to later today, and uh, uh, have you seen Jack? And they had one of those kind of questionnaires, and I. I'm always honest, but the degree to which the level at which I'm open definitely changes based on whether I know. Mm-hmm. Like when Nick sends me a questionnaire now, like I, I trust enough that like I'll put whatever, you know. And then on the flip side, I think of like the Red Room intention where 
the goal is to like get you was to get you to like reveal something about yourself that might be embarrassing in front of a bunch of other people. I treated that like a zero stakes game. And so I just said whatever. And yeah. like, no one knows whether I, I lied or didn't. That didn't work in my experience either. There were a handful of um, comedic writers slash performers that all knew each other. Um, and they they were not willing to reveal super embarrassing things about one another, but they kept picking each other and being kind of jokey. Yeah. Like there's a question in the Red Room that says, choose the member of this group that you are the most physically attracted to. And the guy who, through a conversation, definitely revealed that like he was married to a woman or was dating a woman, chose another one of his guy buddies. Like he didn't, he, he wasn't willing to actually choose the person he was most attracted to. Yeah. Which, which may have been no one. Um, maybe it was another guy, but it just seemed like he was doing it to be funny. Like, yeah. ha, 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 you're my friend that I see every day at work. I'm yeah. going to pick you. And then when they had to give their embarrassing answers, they were just joking around. So we never got out of the red room. <laughs> like because we didn't fulfill the challenges because you kept the one guy had to pick the next guy had to pick the next guy and they were all men and they just kept picking each other and they weren't willing to actually reveal anything embarrassing yeah so we, we just the, stuck the, in there but the flip side of it is six minutes at the same time like they weren't able to, they weren't willing to reveal anything actually embarrassing but like almost like who's to judge yeah right like no one actually has the actual answer you know Right. Um, I think it's something that works. It's it's so weird. It's like that th- sort of thing works so well with the right group of people. But like setting the conditions for something like that to work. Um, on the flip side, uh, you know, actually one one of my favorite moments of the year. Um, people often probably think that like you know that they'll listen and um, you know it's no secret that like. You know, tension didn't blow me away in part because a few things didn't didn't go off the way they should have, right? So mm-hmm. like it's always like this always my view of it is always like, oh, it was this like near miss of things, with like one exception. And that's there was a moment in the room after the red room, the clock room, and um everyone kind of gets winnowed down and like I was like one of the last two people left inside the room and there was a there was a a, a speech about basically like death and legacy Mm -hmm. um which was strangely enough it was a very it was a very uh screenshot like speech and kind of feeling like moment and it had some similarities with bardo which was another piece they did uh that that screenshot did this year uh but i found it to be um it, it worked on me a little bit better um than this one particular sequence in bardo did because they used a grace note and like the last thing the gal said to me was sort of picked out of like their knowledge of who I was and so it wasn't it wasn't the thing that everything turned on it was the the little note I was left with at the end of the speech and it was just enough to like make me go oh they're they're really looking at me Right, and on one level, it's a magician's trick, 
right? It's the equivalent of like the, there's always those mind reading tricks where like somehow they've seen the note and like with their thumb they're like scratching. Sorry, I'm giving away. I'm not a magician, so I can do this whenever I want. They're like scratching away like the word that's written on the back of the card with like a, a crayon that's attached to their thumb or something like that. And they're like, is this what you wrote? And they're like, mm-hmm. oh my God, it's what I wrote. It's like, yeah, because somehow they managed to see it, right? It's misdirection. But that misdirection creates that moment of magic. And for me, that was that was definitely my highlight for tension and it was one of my favorite moments of the year because for for one for one great terrible moment, suddenly I feel like I feel like they they understand a little bit. And that that sort of feeling of, oh, someone gets you is is one of the the, the wonderful illusions that happens in immersive. I liked tension a lot. Um yeah, it's funny because I know people who loved it. I know people who didn't like it. I know people who wanted more out of it. And I felt like um, what was interesting for me is when Tension first started approaching me, they started approaching me as a journalist and almost like they were assigning me a character, like they were calling me and saying, don't write about us, which I thought was funny and clever. So, of course, I went into their online forums and was like, I won't back down from this story because... (laughs) And, like, it was a game. I'm like, I'm playing a game. I'm being silly. You're being silly. We're all being silly. We're playing a game. Um, And then I just kind of didn't hear from them again. So I was like, all right, I'll play your game. And I wrote the article with the headline being like, oh, I'm not supposed to write this. And it got a ton of traffic and people were really interested. People that I didn't even think would be interested in, in haunts. Like, I I went to a museum to cover an art thing, and someone who worked there was like, I need to know more about this tension experience. Yeah. And this is not a person who goes to haunted houses or traditional horror stuff. And, um, yeah, then I just didn't hear from them forever. Yeah. And it was just kind of like, let's do an interview, or let's not, or whatever. And I I was disappointed by by that lack of interaction. But then when I actually had the experience, when I went to Tension Experience and went through and did the whole haunt I guess you could call it I had a good time like I thought I thought it was really fun and interesting and enjoyable and you know not a lot of other ways I would have preferred to spend a, a Friday or Saturday or whatever night that was that actually reminds me of another like the other big highlight I had for the year around tension and that was there's there's a room there's a series of rooms where um, your senses were turned off mm-hmm. let's put it that way which was done through a series of like eat this, smell this, all of which were like very, very potent things that like overwhelmed you in, intentionally. Um, and right after I went through, I got pulled backstage by by the the director and the staff, and you were going through those rooms mm-hmm. during that. So like Darren and I like crept into the room where they make you eat things and smell things. Uh, and I was like right behind you while that was going. I actually like leaned down to like make sure because like you, you, there's there's an identifying mark, uh, uh, you know, on you that I that I was like, wait, is that Juliet? And I was like, oh yeah, that's that's Juliet. Juliet. Uh, I like confirmed it, and I was giddy as hell about the fact that you had no idea. <laughs> that I was like, which is like weird. And then I realized like what the one of the great joys of like working one of those pieces is mm-hmm. is that sense of raw mischief of like oh my god and and then watching watching them run the the scent one around which is rather potent and watching people have the reaction which is basically the same reaction i just had which is yeah you know, i could hear it happening because i could hear people gagging and being 
you know, making noises. Yeah. So it's like, all right, whatever this is, it's gross. Like, yeah. it's clearly going to be gross. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not, it's, it's different from gross. It's like, it's, it's just a lot. It's a lot. It's mm-hmm. overwhelming. And then to find out, like, afterwards, like, how it all works. And you're like, right. oh, it's just that? Oh, my God. Like, well, that's insane. Another thing that was interesting for me about attention, and I guess haunts in general or immersive theater in general, is that I am very non-reactive. <clears throat> like, we've talked about this before. You're a fight person. Some people are flight. I'm nothing. Like, I, I will passively, like, a lot of times if I know someone's going to, I don't know, like, not I don't want it to sound super violent, but like if I know someone's going to hit me with something or they're going to shove me in something or like I lean into it, like I'm like, oh, this is happening. So we're doing this now. Like I knew someone was going to shove me in a coffin at uh, a heretic house thing. And I was like, I'm just going to get in it. Like <laughs> I know that's what's happening here. Yeah. Um, so I tend to be pretty passive and I was pretty passive in that haunt as well or intention experience as well. Um, but I also tend to be really emotionally detached. And I know that attention experience wanted you to be present, which I was trying really hard to do. Um, There was another person in there that just kept talking about how, oh, aren't you worried that we had to sign a waiver? I thought this was going to be more like an escape room. And I was like, you're ruining it for me. I'm trying to be present. Stop it. Yeah. (laughs) So I never really got, it just really never hit me in an emotional way. I had a great time. I thought it was fun. And I pondered over the storyline quite a bit. Um, and then at the end, when tension was all done, they had another experience where they invited people back. Yeah. And they walked you through the haunt. And there's this, um, there's this thing that happens where all the characters you met, something terrible has happened to every single one of them. And I was walking through, and I was like, oh, this is really cool. I like how this looks. They had a weird song playing. The ambience was great. I was like, I'm having a great time. This is awesome. I love seeing this. And I'm, I'm glad to be here for this final chapter. And then I realized that other people in my group were sobbing. They were so affected to see characters yeah. that they had come to know and find out that, that something horrible had happened to these characters. Yeah. And they, were, they weren't plants. You know, I know, I know that immersive theater often has plants to, to heighten emotion or less, less often it guide was, it, emotion. Yeah, it was something that tension played around a lot with, but it was definitely less... Plants are less regular, right? Than than I think. I think in haunts they're more common. Yeah, haunts haunts make sense because you like got to be able to do something. They're like scary hype. Yeah, they're like the scary hype man. Like, oh, yeah. I'm so scared. I'm terrified. And you're like, you know. wow, if this person's terrified, then I should be terrified. Yeah. But yeah. Or something awful happens to them as a to prove a point, you know? Like, but I thought they were with us, you know? It's like, right. nope, you know? Right. Yeah. So yeah, people were crying, which I don't know if that's a high point for me, but it was very interesting I, to see that. A piece of theater, granted, one that had gone on for months yeah. online and offline, had affected people in that way. Yeah. it's It's been, that's been one of the fun things to watch is like that community gets super invested. Mm-hmm. Um, they also made the director a scrapbook and they like wouldn't leave until he came out and took their scrapbook that they made. And these are fans. Yeah. They made a scrapbook of their memories playing this bizarre ARG haunt. That's how invested people were into this. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, and they did, they did create a great feedback loop. And I think that was probably part of the reason why, like, you know, the, the interview thing fell off. It's like they, once they jumped down the ARG rabbit hole, um, you don't call it that, that's what, you know, technically what it was, 
you, that takes all your time, mm-hmm. right? Like you step, you you make that choice forever. Will it dominate your destiny? And that's been true since the earliest days of ARGs. Um, all right, we spent a lot of time on tension, uh, and 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 rightfully so because it's been a, it's been a big thing here. I know it brought Brian Bishop into into our little world, and that's been a that's been one of my highlights. That's been one of my highlights. You know, like one of my highlights this year has been really connecting with. Um, the members of the community. So uh, on on sort of our side of it, right? So Mm -hmm. like a lot of last year was me connecting with creators. And this year it's been, you know, we've become friends. Brian Bishop and I become friends. The My Hunt Life guys, Mm -hmm. Mike and Russell, definitely I count amongst my friends. We did an escape room together. You know, we did like two and a half hours worth of podcasting last weekend. um, And it was this easy breezy conversational. Um, And we probably could have gone on for like four or five hours, but I had other things to do and I needed food. Um, and and for me, knowing that, kind of going from being lone, feeling like a lone voice in the wilderness, you know, John the Baptist style, uh, to feeling like this is a real community that, that is multidimensional, right? You know, like it's right. not homogenous. Because people come in via different routes. Absolutely. Because you have people coming in through escape rooms, through haunts, through... I mean, there are people who are just really big fans of scavenger hunts and urban races, and all of a sudden they want, you know, they discover something that has a deeper layer, and that's what they want. Um, yeah, and then it's it's funny, too, because, like, a lot of people, they're like, oh, I love this thing, and I love doing this thing, and now I'm going to create a blog about how I do Like, how many escape room review blogs are there now, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> it's just like, oh, I love this thing so much that I'm going to do, you know... X amount a week, and then I'm going to write about them all. And so it's interesting how people all sort of converge in the center because I think, I think interaction is obviously the key. So does it transport you to a to a new world? Do you feel like you're somewhere else for two hours or whatever? Are there layers on your on your own existence? Like that, like that was a cool thing about a lot of the ARGs, like tension. Like they were calling and leaving me threatening, you know, messages on my voicemailer. I guess not my voicemail because I picked up every time because I knew unknown number was going to be them. Um, but I was hanging out with my neighbor in front of my house and, and I was covering a completely different story that had nothing to do with haunts and this black sedan with tinted windows pulled up and it was the, the driver they had sent for me. And she's like, is that... Like she, like she was like, is that this haunted house you've been writing about or is that something else? So like it it really it was cool that it like added a layer onto your real life. Like, is that mm. the Amazon delivery guy or is it part of this uh, this thing that I've started playing where they actually are showing up at your house or they're, or, or like, um, yeah, it's just like having a weird sort of like extra, extra level to, to your life. Um, and I don't really think of it as any different than being somebody who plays video games or someone who's really into sports. Like it's, it's another hobby, but it is interesting to find the other people with the similar hobbies and how they cross over, you know, like. Like, Christine Barger is really into escape rooms, right? So, like, that's kind of how she comes in. But then Mike and Russell are really into haunted houses, and that's how they come in. And then... Yeah. yeah. And then and suddenly, like, we're all going to, like, each other's things. Like, I, yeah. I, hadn't, I hadn't done any of the spooky season stuff in years prior. And then, you know, this year, I, I dove in feet first, and mm-hmm. I, did, I did Creep and Tension, and I did um, and Delusion and uh and devoted i stayed i stayed more like on the immersive theaters like creep was the one like haunt you know haunt that i that i did but like after this year i was definitely like you know 
I want to I want to go to like a home haunt next year, and I want to yeah, go I want to go to like one of the big corporate haunts, you know, and I, and I probably should have gone to Sinister Point or something like that, you know, and and, and sort of challenge myself on a mm-hmm. few of those. Um, what was there a particular piece here that because you talked about sort of like you know not being present for some of this stuff, and I think that's for me that's a big a big thing is that sense of being in a different um, in, in a different reality for a moment. Was was there a particular piece this year where you found yourself caught up in like all the different ones you saw? Mm. Well, I think a good way to get me to be present is to force me to solve something. So so if I'm working on a puzzle, then I tend to be really consumed by said puzzle. Mm. So so a lot of the escape rooms that are that are more immersive, you know, so like um, get the F out has a virus room, right? And the yeah. room actually gets smaller and smaller as we're in it. And so like that's kind of a cool place to be present. It's like I have to solve this or I'm going to be crushed. And I don't I don't think I'm really going to be crushed, but um, you know, the stakes are high, like, the, and I become very consumed by the puzzle. A lot of times I go to these immersive things and I'm writing the article in my head as I'm there. Mm. Um, and that happened with Day Shall Declare It, right? So I'm at Day Shall Declare It. It's great, um, but I'm writing the article in my head. Up until the point where an actor actually took me outside and made me watch most of the performance through a window. And when she, was, when she took me with her and I had to pay attention to where we were going because it's dark and there's stuff in the way and we had to climb on stuff... That was that was a moment where I was like, oh, I feel really present right now. And she sat with me in the window for a while, and she had been dancing and doing all this stuff. Um, so like, I could I could smell her sweat. That's how close she was to me, mm. like <laughs> pushing against this window. And that was the best part because it's like I wasn't just standing. I think she grabbed me because I was standing in the back. Mm, yeah. You know, sitting there writing the article in my head, like, oh, this is happening, and that was good, and this reminds me of this, and let's make an allusion to that, and. Yeah, but then she she sort of abducted me and put me in a window and like that was interesting, I guess. Like I felt I felt very present in following her um and paying attention to, to where she was going and what I was supposed to do and what she wanted. Um But the only other time I think is like some of them are so extreme that you can't help but be present. Mm. Like in partition they they strang they start strangling you with a cord. And you, and you have to realize that because partuition is about birth, you're like, oh, I'm being strangled with my own umbilical cord. That's what's happening here. Yeah. Um, or in Heretic House, you know, if they're shoving your head in a toilet and screaming at you and <laughs> hitting you with stuff, it's like, that's just where you are. Like, See, it's funny, like, that would just take me out, right? Like, this, this is the dividing line between, like, me and you is, for instance, um, at, um, at The Rope, which is another screenshot mm-hmm. one. There was a moment where uh, one of the characters uh, strangles you before, yeah, that's great. and you you think it's great and like I know like uh, well I saw it coming. I saw it happen to someone else, which yeah. I wasn't supposed to see. Yeah, so I knew it was coming. And so once again, I like I leaned into it. I was like, this guy's gonna strangle me, so I'm just gonna. Go. Yeah. And for and for me, it instantly becomes fight instinct, right? Like mm-hmm. I just started wrestling with the dude, and you know he he backed away from it. And then, like, I was just, like, piecing it back together, you know, in the moment and missed most of what he said. And one of the interesting things is, like, they wound up, you know, I, I checked in with them and at a certain point they, like, edited that sequence. Right. Because the actor was reporting that a lot of people were checking out, right? 
and I think that's, you know, not everything is for everyone. Right. Clearly, right? But it is sort of, you know, some people, some people you got to sort of like force into the moment and other people you got to invite into the moment. And I think the, the hardest thing yeah. is like when you're designing this stuff. They should have it be like when you're playing Doom, you have to check off like ultraviolence <laughs> nightmare. Like yeah. I would check off ultraviolence nightmare. What's the first one? It's like don't hurt me, please, or something. Yeah, yeah. No, but that makes sense. Like like difficulty settings, right? You mm-hmm. know, like how. But I think that that would actually be that'd be a, a structural way. Finding finding the way to do that in a structural fashion that wasn't overt would be sort of the ultimate goal like something like a a fortune telling or a tarot reading at the beginning of an experience and you know basically like you know honestly tell me what you're attracted to here and like giving symbols and then interpreting that and then unfortunately someone's going to misinterpret but like um finding a way to without without Asking someone directly, so if we were to choke you, would you check out or would you get into <laughs> it? And like, like funny way to ask that question without asking that question. And then right. every person who goes through, like they would know, and so they'd be able to deliver the ideal experience. So like, like a version of the rope where I go in, I don't get choked, but maybe I get wrestled down, right? Because like him wrestling me down, no problem, right? It's literally like hands on throat is when it becomes like arm up, you know, twist around his arm and you know start applying pressure. Um, yeah, that's when I'm like, let's get married. Yeah, Marry yeah. <laughs> um, let's let's just hang out and yeah, but that's in spooky alleys. Yeah, that's but that's the thing is like, if if both you and I could run through on the same night and like they choke you but they don't choke me and we both come out going like that's amazing like we had the best time, that'd be the yeah. ideal for I think that's the ideal result for the the producers is that everyone gets exactly everyone gets. Everyone gets the experience, gets challenged, and gets the big point, but they get it in a way that's best tailored for them so that they're always present. Because I think there's this whole idea of, like, can we get people to be present? And some people think, like, oh, I'm going to shock you into being present. And just, like, that that never works for me. I just go intellectual. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, I'll fight you back, and then I'll go intellectual. Whereas if someone invites me in to be present, like, it starts giving me a little bit of agency, I become very aware of what's around and in the moment, right? Right. Yeah, I also like when they ask you to do it, when you have a specific task. task. Yeah. Because a lot of times I feel like they, a lot of times I feel like immersion is like, oh, let's have a one-on-one interaction. I'm going to talk to you. But a lot of times it's, I'm going to talk at you. Yeah. And it's like, it doesn't matter what I say, you have a script. And the, you may, you know, you might, you might, uh, improvise a little but it's always going to feel like you're trying to get to point b no matter what i say yeah um so like in delusion my task was go into this room and find stakes go find this thing so i was like okay i'm gonna go find this thing that's my it's a physical task and then of course you get abducted by this other character and that was my favorite part i was like oh i had a task and then this guy came and he took me and we had this weird adventure i knew it wasn't other people's favorite parts because i talked to other people who didn't like it and the only reason they didn't like it was because part of it involves being shoved in a box and then the box is taken to the next scene mm, yeah and they didn't like so someone with claustrophobia is like i don't like being in the box yeah i don't want to go in the boxes yeah 
Um, but I liked having a specific task. And I also like when it feels like the conversation is advancing something. And the only times I felt like I was having a conversation and it mattered what I said was in the processing room at Tension Experience, I felt like my answers were supposed to determine where I went next. Mm. But that was a simple matter of splitting people up into smaller groups. Right. But in, uh, so you did barbershop, right? I did do barbershop. I, did, I saw a very early, I was okay. literally the first, yeah, I was literally the first person who wasn't a, who wasn't a company member to. Okay. Yeah, barbershop, when you go in, so to sum it up, you go into a barbershop and you encounter this guy who's just closing up shop and he invites you to sit and have a drink with him while he's unwinding after work. And the conversation I had with him, like it was a conversation and I yeah. know he had notes that he had to hit, but yeah, he totally was just like, yeah, anything that I said or made a reference to, he responded to. Yeah. No, the, that, that, what that evolved into that conversation with Mikey um, it reminds me a lot of the work that uh, Capital W did in both And the Drum and in the revival of Hamlet Mobile, mm-hmm. uh, specifically uh, Gravedigger, Hotbox is the Van. And they're really, and that's one of my highlights of the year, is like in, in both those pieces, I feel like I had conversations with people that while they were directed, right, it's kind of like the same thing as like, it's totally possible to walk in and have a conversation with someone and that person has an agenda, Mm-hmm. But the difference between an agenda and a script, and it hasn't reached its apex quite yet in this part of the form, but this idea of we're going to talk about, I, I got a way to get you talking about X, and so we're going to start talking about X, and because we're talking about X, I'm ready to go in a couple of different directions, and then there's a thing I want to hit you with. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a, it's kind of thing like a salesman or someone practicing NLP, would would be proficient at is like yeah. managing a conversation and it's a very different skill set from just delivering your lines creep did that too and i felt like some of the creep actors were better than at that than others or oh, they in the were, lounge you mean yeah the lounge is my favorite thing at creep yeah. or they were assigned different roles like yeah there were there were multiple characters in the lounge at creep before you actually went into the haunt or the maze or whatever you want to call it um itself and there were some characters who I felt like that just couldn't happen. Like there were two younger women who were dressed in lingerie. Yeah. And their whole point, their whole purpose seemed to be to writhe on you and make you uncomfortable by being overtly sexual towards yeah. you. And they didn't say much. Oh, so that's that, interesting. That was just kind of like... Because they talked, one of them really talked to me. They, they might have changed from... Two of them gave a very extended, bizarre lap dance to someone in our group. Um one of them cried. Like one of them held me while she cried. Like she grabbed my arm and was crying on me. But they didn't say anything. But there was uh, another woman who's dressed in this black ball gown kind of get up, and she made me dance with her while she asked me about things that I wanted, things that I would wish for. Yeah. And that felt like a pretty natural conversation, even though I knew that she was dancing with everyone and asking them what their wishes were. She responded to my answers in a really natural way. I had that I had that same that was the first encounter I had in there and it felt it felt in like the, the 70 percentile of of which is which is good, right? Like like we're we're advancing. I don't think anything's reached like things have barely reached the 90 percentile in this, so 70% for me is like pretty solid these days as we're growing. Um, weirdly enough 
it was so like the girls in lingerie whose job is either to make you uncomfortable i think their primary job is to sell drinks right so like they're hustlers and from a from a technical standpoint it's like let's let's get you hooked up with a drink before you leave but i happen to have been going i was going to devoted afterwards that mm-hmm. night so one of them sat down next to me and like asked me a question and like i think it was like do you come to these sort of things a lot right standard like you know, do you come here often mm-hmm. like a variation on that and i was and this conversation wound up turning because i played a little coy about the fact that i was going to go meet my stalker because that's in devoted like that's the idea right. like, car is your stalker and she lit up on that and went down the rabbit hole possibly because i don't know it's it's not the usual chit chat right that you get in the lounge there um but that's definitely a case of me bringing something to the table a little outside the box that at the same time manages to sync up a little bit with the vibe they're going for in that room. And that's one of my favorite things in general is like bringing, trying to bring the vibe back, trying to play in the box that they've constructed. Yeah. And that worked well there. It worked really well. The lounge, I kind of wish creep was like mostly the lounge, you know, and and it extended that, Mm -hmm. like the, the, that, and then the beginning of it, like I loved and then, and then the rest of it for me was like, well, okay. You know? I like the maze. I thought it was yeah. fun, but I could have spent hours in that lounge. Like I would just oh, yeah. go to that lounge if it was a bar. I would, I would love to just that. That would be I would my just local. Go to the creep bar. Yeah, and the, hang out with the creep people. Yeah, the creep bar talk would be about the darkness. Yeah, them. no, they would be so. It'd be so. Someone can make hand over fist. There's enough goths here in great. LA. Like, yeah, I, I get, mean, I get back into my blocks on the regular, if you know. Yeah, I guess, I mean, there's a place kind of like that, but you're not supposed to talk about it. Um, but it's not quite <laughs> like that. I don't think it's it's not dark enough. Yeah. It's not, it's not goth enough. Yeah, it's got a different goal. Um, the, um, what am I trying to think of here? Um, on the matter of hustlers. Well, since, since this is both my highlights and yours, uh, I'm going to jump out of L.A. for a minute and talk about New York. Um, and reveal my absolute highlight for the year. And it should come as no surprise. It was my first run through of the Grand Paradise. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was my encounter um, with one of the hustlers there, which I only learned that they referred to as the hustlers later on. I called I called her Disco Girl. Um, I believe the actress is Lauren Moransky. I probably got that mostly right. Messed up a little bit. I haven't looked up her name in a while, but like it stuck. Um, and... I, it's in my it's in my Grand Paradise review, and so I'm not going like, to go into super details there. But part of that track is you wind up part of the hustler track is you wind up in a hotel room, and I wound up doing it twice. I wound up in the hotel room twice uh, with different people. What, the first time was with Lauren, the second time was with one of the guys, uh, and it was kind of awkward because like I was Lauren was working the other room, and so it was nearly like in the same scene twice. And I'm, I'm glad I didn't because it also gave me like the ability to like objectively observe the structure that they built. But my first time through, there was like almost no objectivity because one, she's like stunning. Um, and it was just these little series of moments um, that led up to being in that room. So it was like a moment of like dancing, you know, on stage with like her head on my shoulder. Um, and, but the, the real key was like, I come back the second night because the first night I, I left and I, and like I say, I, I kind of felt like I had just gone through like a breakup. There was an Italian joint up the street. And so I ate, I, insane. This was also the beginning of my tooth trouble. So like I ate 
amazing food on a bad tooth and like oh, so like this causing myself two forms of pain constantly but also to like wash away the other pain like drinking wine and kind of like obliterating my feelings because um, it, it had cracked open something fierce inside me um, and enough that like I just felt this longing to go back and so like I bought another ticket and came back two nights later uh, these are not small tickets either and um, and then not expecting Going back because I wanted to experience more, going back because I wanted to see if other avenues could create the same sense, not expecting that she would be on duty again, and like having a couple of moments again with her, like different moments, and kind of being wigged out, and kind of being worried that I was like ID'd as a stalker. There was this one point where like I wound up back in the, the disco room again, and like she pulled me aside, um, this is earlier in, in her track, and led me through a room I hadn't been through before. And as you go through this room, it's essentially the, the purpose is to go collect this abalone shell. Uh, but you don't know that at the time. And so we're, we're going through the, the backstage area or like the, the back rooms of this thing. Not really backstage, but it felt backstage. Uh, backstage in the world, but not actually backstage in the actual show. And we're going through and then we come up, lead up to this door and the door says exit above it. And she like stopped and gave me this look. And for a second, I thought I was being booted out of the show. Like it was like, oh yeah, you're a weird guy, you've come back, you know, like by coming back, you've violated a rule, right? You know, because clearly you're stalking the staff. So bye-bye. And for a moment, I'm like, oh my God, I'm getting kicked out. And then we open up and then we just go back in and that's just the door to the disco. It just legally has to say exit on it because it's mm-hmm. how you get out of the building. Um, and and that moment of tension and and relief, right, was was super intense and... And the whole thing creates this like this um, tapestry of desire and this accidental exploration of it um, in a, in in a fictional setting. So like none of what none of those feelings were real, quote unquote. There was nothing between myself and this performer. It was all scripted and structured. But this amazing illusion is created. Uh, and then on top of it, the fact that like they are internally referred to as the hustlers, which means that their job in the story world is to hustle people for money, you know, to get buy drinks or like whatever. This is the 70s and you had hustlers. And that's what happened to me. So throw on like another level, right? The show had hustlers, I got hustled, Mm -hmm. I fell in love with a character, knowing full well that like, it's just for play, but at the same time, it's this like perfect moment. Um, You got Westworlded. It got Westworlded, yeah. (laughs) Like, like she was my Dolores, uh, Mm -hmm. which I guess means that, you know, she'll be the living crap out of me later. Uh, I don't know. Uh, (laughs) Spoilers, sorry, Westworld spoilers. Uh, don't worry, not for 35 years. Oh, really Westworld spoilers. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's these, um, it's these moments and, and there it's like, you know, delicately balanced, you know, on, on this sort of gossamer narrative construction in this world they've built. And I think, I think there what works so well when it does work, is that they sort of let you marinate in the world for a while. And I think one of the difficulty thing, difficult things in the space at the moment is that shows got to clear bodies through, 
Like we got to get people through, get people through, get people through. So how do you find that line between pushing enough people through to make the thing profitable because it should be profitable um, and yet let there be enough time for people to really get into what it is you're making because that's the thing that's going to make people want to come back and that's yeah. the thing that's going to make people tell their friends. And that's stuff that's actually just worthwhile. You know, you want to have these, you want to walk away from one of these things and have a memory and feel like you did something. Like you went somewhere weird and you did something strange and you, you stepped out of your normal life for a minute. Um, that's what I'm always chasing. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough because it's, I mean, it, it is false. Like, like it's not, none of these things are real. But yet, I do feel like people get things out of them beyond. Yeah. Like the fact they were crying attention, right? Right. Like the close attention. Like, well, people go see a movie and they're affected by the movie. Oh yeah. You know, I haven't seen Star. I haven't seen Rogue One yet, but I've seen. You know, no less, no fewer than um, probably at least two dozen statuses of people who are like, "Oh, I cried," or "Oh, Star Wars is my life right now." Yeah. Um. I guess I just think the thing that's cool about immersive, immersive interactions is that you. You do have a sense of choice. Um, and I think you can learn a lot about yourself by going through an immersive performance. Like you, without ever being actually attacked by anyone, um, at least in theater, have determined that you are a fight person. Yeah, which was surprising. I always thought I was a flight person. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and for me, I, I just find it really relaxing um, in a lot of ways. I don't find real life relaxing at all. Um, like if someone bought me a pass to a really nice spa to go relax, I would not be relaxed by it. <laughs> I don't like feeling served. But if the people at the spa were screaming at you to relax, maybe you would. <laughs> yeah. like <laughs> They toss you into like a sauna forcefully. Yeah, if the spa secretly was an induction into some sort of cult, maybe. Um, but yeah, I do feel relaxed in haunted houses and in immersive theater because it's it's not my life. It's entertainment, but I don't feel served and I don't feel, I don't know. I, just, uh, I feel like I'm on an equal plane with them. Mm. They, this is their job and that's what they're doing, but their job depends on me reacting to them. Yeah. And it's a playground. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's I think that's the really big thing. It's like these are these are playgrounds, you know. I don't know, like right now before I go off to this one, like I'm sort of I was mentioning this before we started recording, like they're talking, you know, like bring clothing that you can get like messed up. And I'm you know, my, my closet is not so deep that I can like really like waste I can't just go like, I'm, I'm, I can waste this shirt. So I'm a little I'm a little apprehensive, but at the same time I'm thinking about the idea of the play date and play clothes, right? Like when you were right. a kid, it was like, wear your play clothes, you know, which specifically for me used to be like Oshkosh overalls, mm-hmm. you know? So like put your overalls and like a, a shirt that you don't mind getting messed up on and like go play. Um, and you're going to get dirty. And and that's, at the heart of it, that's what it is. I think, you know, no one says it play clothes because like they don't want to like well, infantilize it, you know, what it is, but it's what it is. It's it really clothes. depends because the other night I did an escape room. It was a horror themed escape room and it wasn't particularly physically taxing. There was a little bit of crawling. Um, there was some stuff in the ground that you had to pick up or, or not pick up. You could bend down and 
and look at it and we finished and everyone in my group had worn jeans or leggings t-shirts sweaters stuff that you can move around in yeah the group after me came in on a party bus oh boy (laughs) and i saw a woman who was in these stiletto heels oh god she already couldn't walk in them it was already i don't know where they'd been before but they were already hurting her and her friend was helping her walk into the escape room and i was like you're gonna have a bad time you're gonna have a, a not great time because you're gonna have to crawl through something in these heels and you're gonna be standing for however long it takes you to get out um but then at the same time so so to me it it means like bring clothes that are comfortable bring clothes that if we pour i don't know food coloring and syrup on you or baby powder you're not it's it's not your best work shirt yeah but i have gone to i went to one and it's tough for me because I don't have a car. So when they say, like, leave everything in your car or bring a change of clothes, but don't bring your clothes in here, it's just like, I don't have, I, I don't have any, I don't have a storage area. Yeah. Like, I only have my person. And I went to one and I was super nervous about it because they wouldn't tell me anything. And it was the same, oh, bring stuff you don't mind being destroyed. Don't bring anything. Don't bring your phone. Leave everything. Only You can only have your keys. And it's like, well. Yeah. So I get in there and thankfully they took my winter, it was in the winter, they took my winter coat and that's where I had my phone. But I had contemplated putting my phone in my bra. Yeah. Because I was thinking like, where can I put it where I feel like it would be safe? And I don't feel like they're going to molest me, so I feel like it would be safe there. Yeah. But what ended up happening was they tied me to a chair and then a woman cut, like I had a a sweater on and she cut the shoulder off and ripped it and then poured fake blood down the front of my shirt. Yeah. So no, she did not molest me. But my phone would have been covered in whatever they made their fake blood out of, which I think is just like a corn syrup and food coloring. And it's actually, it's this, you've told me this before, and it's that experience that has me sitting going like, all right, well, do I put, do I put the jeans on that I wore at tension, which have been like sitting at the edge of the washer for Mm -hmm. a month? So I put, so I picked them up today and I was like, oh my God, they smell terrible. So I like dumped them in the, just, just finished the laundry. Do I put those back on and like grab like uh, a gym shirt and throw that on and like walk in and be like, I'm going to look like, I think I wrote them. It's like, you know, they're like, wear something, this, that other thing. I was like, okay, I'm going to look like a hobo, you know, like you tell me to like be ready to like, I'll look like a hobo, but I'm not happy about it. That's what I want for 2017. I want immersive creators to be more specific about what is going to happen because I I realize that a a certain part of the immersion is you don't know who it is and you don't know. But you know what? Let's, and let's talk about that. And like, here's the fun thing. Speaking of like Rogue One, because it just came out. You know, I haven't seen it yet. I've seen it twice. I mean, it's no. There's no spoilers here in the sense of that the film, and it's been marketed this way. It's the story of how they stole the Death Star plans, right? So you instantly know two things: one, they steal the Death Star plans because we've all seen Star Wars, right? Yes. Right, and like that's the main thing. So that plot outcome is preordained, right? Which makes us a prequel. Details don't matter. I won't get into details. Well, details don't matter in the sense of that. You know, if all you care about is like moving the meta narrative forward, then you already know how it ends. The details of it, you don't know. It's that. It's the details of it. It. I spent the, the first time I watched it tense the entire way through. I watched it a second time, and like a lot of the mojo was gone because now that I knew exactly what happened. But I didn't expect to be. I've never been on the seat of my 
edge of my seat tense during a Star Wars movie before. It was a very different tone. And I was really enthusiastic about that. I was like, wow, this is great. Like, I really don't know where they're going. Like, I know it, but that's the thing. I knew exactly where they're going. And something like, if you tell me, even if they said like, when they say destroyed, I'm instantly going, the clothes are willing to be destroyed. I'm instantly going like, oh, they're going to be, they're going to, they might cut stuff off me, yada, yada, yada. Might light you on fire. And, and, <laughs> uh, but a part of me is a little bit like, oh, yeah, but like, what is it really, what does it really a, a, a achieve? And since I'm not a, we're going to force you to be present person, like that's a shutdown for me. Like, I'm looking at this one going like, uh, I don't know. And I'd rather know whether this is a, we're going to impose on you or we're going to invite you. Like, I wish there was some way. Like, for 2017, I wish I wish they would, folks would be a little more clear mm, yes. in terms of, of that sort of thing. Because I'll skip the stuff. You know, like if we if we were. Well, I'm skipping this one tonight because they wouldn't. <laughs> they had extra spots, um, and it was you know it's it's not a cheap ticket, and I'm yeah. not reviewing it for anyone right now. Um, so uh, there's no reason to ask for a press ticket for this particular show, but it was. Well, it's going to be within an hour of Los Angeles, and as someone who doesn't drive, it's like. Yeah. Is it going to be somewhere where there's going to be a train station within, you know, five miles? Because I'll take a train. I yeah, probably you've done it train. before. Yeah. I mean, there was one and they were like, hey, we want you to come and check out our experience. And I was, I told them, well, I have another experience earlier that evening. But if you tell me ballpark what neighborhood you're in, I can see if I'll be able to make it in time. Because that's important. I don't I don't want to take a spot and then not be able to make it in time. I yeah. want someone to have that experience. And they just kept saying, sorry, we can't do that. And I was like, can you even tell me if it's going to be in Los Angeles? Yeah. Can you tell me if it's going to be in North Hollywood, Pasadena, like yeah. anywhere? And they wouldn't. And I was just like, okay, then I and I can't do it because I can't, I can't guarantee that I'm going to finish with this at 6.30 and be able to beat you by 9.30. Yeah. And it ended up being in Long Beach, which is, a, you know, on occasion, a two-hour train. And yeah. there's a big chance I wouldn't have been able yeah. to be there on time. Well, and, and sometimes it can be a matter of like, oh... They they might not know until the last minute, right? That sounded like it was yeah. the case, but 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 you know what? Like, here's something. Indeed, I would like everyone to do as well, and I think some people do. Like, you know, like the the Speakeasy Society when they did uh, the 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 key and mm-hmm. sold tickets to it, they told folks they gave people like a ballpark. They didn't have it locked down until like the week of, but they gave people a ballpark of like this is where we're looking at. Yeah. Um, and just simple thing of knowing like what four neighborhoods it might possibly land in. Yeah. Like that's all you're gonna do. Like tell me, is it East Side? Is it West Side? Is it is the it prop- you know is it the Valley? Is it Orange County? Is it Pasadena? Yeah. You know, like you know, you tell me an hour out of Los Angeles, and I'm like, one Los Angeles is very big, so like an hour out of DTLA, you know, like mm-hmm. it just it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't cut it is is what it comes down to. Um, well, and... then there's also the combo. Like, so let's say, let's say I didn't care about time or distance. Let's say I had all day and I could afford to take a lift to wherever this thing is. Doesn't matter if it's in Long Beach. I'll take a lift. I don't care. The problem that I've had is the combination of not telling you where it is, then not specifying how your clothes are going to be destroyed. Yeah. Because I did do one that ended up being in Pasadena. Pasadena is far from me. I live in Koreatown. So I took a lift up there because it was late enough that the train wasn't running. Yeah. And then they dumped a bunch of blood on me. So now you're saying, 
So all of a sudden, my, I guess, financial commitment is now a lift cleaning fee is $250. Yeah. So now I'm like, I can stand on the street in Pasadena until the trains start running again. So, uh, you know, five hours. Or I can try to convince a Lyft driver that he wants to spend, <laughs> that he wants to let me in his car and, and take this $200 fit. I was stuck. And, yeah. and thankfully, somebody there was like, I can take you. Somebody else that had gone through the haunt was saying, well, I can take you back down to where you live. Yeah. But there are these situations where I'm just like, I love this stuff and I love writing about it and I want more people to get into it. But um, as as the meme would say, you're doing me a concern. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can't. Well, that's one of the good things that Tension did was like they, they stuck you in jumpsuits. Mm-hmm. You know, stuck us all oh, in that's jumpsuits. great. Yeah. It's like my gym. Yeah. If you want, if you go to my gym, they will ask you if you want gym clothes, and they're just shorts and a t-shirt. And if you want them, they'll give them to you. Yeah. And that's great. Yeah. If you're gonna, if you're gonna destroy, if you want to like give people the experience of like we're gonna like goop you up, you know, be like a gym, you know. And 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 I I can hear people going like, oh, but I wanna. It's like no, you don't. Like you don't, you I gain. I do wanna, but well, I also but you, can't afford another phone, and I can't. But you afford get. A but, you, but, what, but what do you? What do you get? Other than as a creator getting your jollies, mm-hmm. what do you get out of tossing someone out of your experience at the end, and their clothes are ruined, they're covered in blood, and they they might ha- and they've got like an hour or so to get home. And they kind of really can't show up in in public, right? Yeah. You know, like what what do you really get? Um, some people will get totally off on it, which is great, but just the the raw logistics of it. Like, there's other ways to like create that moment. You yeah, know? you know, I don't really care about the like an extreme haunt does it for me. Like, I I enjoy yeah the extreme sensation of having someone, you know, put a plastic sheet of I don't even know what it was. Yeah. It was plasticky. It was dark. Uh, yeah. It was on my face. I couldn't breathe. I was like, oh, this is very interesting. This is this feels like a high-stakes situation. That was fun. Um, but it, it only lasted for as long as it lasted. Yeah. Whereas the blood I was cleaning out of my ear for, you know, three days. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the I enjoy the extreme haunts, but the messiness is not something I enjoy. I don't, I mean, there's probably someone who does. Yeah, and for me, it's not even that I find it gross or that it annoys me. It's just logistically, it's tough. Yeah, no, and and like you know, come on attention, and I had like you know some goop smeared on me, and I was like, oh boy, I must be goopy. Okay, yeah, that's you know, it's yeah. kind of it's kind of like that's oh, fun for a minute. I like minor you know? goop. Yeah, minor goop, but like you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave you on the side of the road looking like you know you just like just had like a pig explode all over you or something like that, and it's like all. Yeah. <sighs> Okay, I guess it's this thing, which I guess maybe that's maybe it's on my mind right now. I guess it wasn't really the intention of like you know, the best of twenty sixteen. Like let's talk about like being covered in ublick or something like that. But I just the the the, the memories, right? The takeaway. Mm-hmm. What what do you what do you walk away at the end of the night with? And I think the more people focus on on that, what gift are they giving to the audience? Even if it's a dark gift, um, and and it's not about what it looks like, right? Like I think the thing about leaving people looking goopy and like like they just like went through like an abattoir um, is all about sort of a cinematic sense 
of this stuff. I mean, it is tactile, but yeah, but not about not necessarily experiential, not in the same way. But you can create the tactile sensation without dumping three buckets of blood on someone. Yeah, like intention. They had a goopy scene. Yeah, but it didn't ruin. It wouldn't have ruined anyone's car. Yeah, and <laughs> and the goopy and and the goopy scene. If we're talking about like the hands part mm-hmm. of the goopy, like that that was the most anxiety inducing. In a great way, the oh, most anxi- the most anxiety inducing moment, a, a true like, what the hell are they doing to me now? Mm-hmm. And and you know, flash forward to like a minute later, and you're like, oh, I know what's been done to me. That was clever. That was cool. It was and, so clever, and it feels interesting too, was, right? Yeah. So like, it 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 it's a perfect moment. It was a scary spa. Yeah. That's how I describe these things. Scary like, spa. Scary, scary spa. Yeah. Because people spas. pay really close attention to you. They do stuff to you. They whisper in your ear. It's like scary ASMR spa. And that really was a spa treatment. It literally, Because yeah. when you're blindfolded and they're dunking your hands in this hot substance, you're like, oh no, what's happening? This, yeah. And it's like, it's hot enough to, it's kind of like when you put your hand up to a fire and you get to the point where it's hot enough where you know you're not supposed to do that anymore. Yeah. So you draw your hand back. It was that hot. It wasn't hot enough to burn, but it was hot enough to be like, oh, danger. Yeah. Uh, and then after I realized what it was, I was like, oh, I just had a spa treatment. Exactly. Scary. Yeah. Like a literal, like that's <laughs> actual. I think you said afterwards, it was like, that's something I've paid extra for at the spa. Well, I've never paid yeah. extra for it because I'm cheap, but I was like, this <laughs> but is. But now you might. <laughs> yeah. My hands but are so smooth. Only if they blindfold you first, though. Yeah. So. That would be great. <laughs> it, was a, it was a thrilling aromatherapy journey <laughs> <laughs> all right well i think on that note that's a that's a fun place to stop uh our reminiscing about 2016 yeah so that's good. that was a good year yeah all right once again I want to thank our friend Juliet Bennett Ryla for being our guest on the show today. You can find her on Twitter at JB Ryla, R-Y-L-A-H. She's written for everyone from Elliest to Nerdist and Thrillist and Atlas Obscura. Absolute fantastic. One of my favorite human beings, oftentimes uh, my wingwoman uh, to all these events. So um, you can tell because when we write about the same show, uh, that means we saw it together or usually like one after the other. The music for this episode is by our friend, Chris Porter of the Speakeasy Society. Thank you again, Chris. Thank you for listening. Um, And that sounded patronizing. I didn't mean to sound patronizing. I really didn't. I'm sorry. I'm a horrible person. I really am. Look at that stupid quote of mine in the LA Times. Nerd. Um, Look at at him self-promoting himself because he's super proud of something, but like tries to play it down. dork um you can find us uh, as insufferable as we are at no proscenium on twitter you can find me at noah j nelson on twitter you can find uh us on facebook oh facebook facebook.com slash no proscenium i know y'all love it i'm there for work purposes I, i i get it believe me i get it There are times I sadly find Facebook more nourishing than Twitter, and Twitter mostly just horrifying these days. Uh, But nevertheless, it's evil, y'all, except for Oculus and Instagram. I'm going to point that out every time. Anyway, um, the Slack channel, if you want to get on the Slack, uh, you know, 
let's consider the doors pretty much open at this point because I'm starting to have fun with it. Uh, and the more the merrier. Uh, if you want to get on the Slack channel, if you want to uh, uh, send us, you know, notes and hints, tips for shows, email us. No underscore proscenium at outlook.com if you want to support this crazy venture. And every time one of you comes in and does, and I really appreciate it. Patreon.com slash no proscenium. Um, next week, end of the year, the total end of the year show, uh, the, 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 um, you know, the audio submissions are closed, but if you're listening this late and you want to write a note and have it read on the air, write me a note and I'll read it on the air. You have until, um, you have until the end of Christmas Eve. So if you're listening to this on Christmas, mm -mm, nope. Cause I'm probably gonna make the show on Christmas or I'm gonna make it the day after Christmas. So that's, that's all the time you have. So you, if you want to be, uh, something other than a naughty little boy or girl, uh, get your note in to me, get your note to Santa before he leaves in his sleigh. Um, yeah, I don't know why I just went there, but I did no take backs. Okay, everybody, let's go have some fun. I hope you have an excellent holiday break going on right now. Uh, or if you're working in a job where you're not allowed off on the holidays, then I hope to all the forces in the universe that you find some peace of mind uh, and that there is goodwill towards you because you are doing an angel's work right now. I know. I've been in your shoes. All right, everybody. Until next time, I'll see you at the show.